Broken crayons. Broken crayons. Broken crayons still color. This is the Broken Crayons Still Color Podcast with your host, Shelly Hitz. Each episode contains an inspiring story of hope and healing in Christ. Many times, what we see as our biggest regrets, failures, and mistakes become what God uses the most in our lives. God is able to transform our brokenness into something more beautiful than we can even imagine. He takes our mess and creates a masterpiece. You see, broken crayons still color. Welcome back to the Broken Crayons Still Color podcast. I'm your host, Shelly Hitz, and today's guest is Kim Lovings. Hey, Kim. Hi, Shelly. I'm so excited to have you on. Not only are you a dear friend and an amazing person, but God has done some really incredible things in your life. And I'm really excited for everyone to hear your story. Great. Thanks, Shelly. So I want to ask you today, for those of you listening, have you ever been in a place in life where you lost all hope? More people than we realize struggle with depression and even suicidal thoughts every day. And I have people that email me and talk to me about this. So I know that this is a very real thing. And not only did Kim attempt suicide twice, but she found hope again. So she'll be sharing her story in today's episode. And I pray that it blesses each one of you. So just starting out, Kim, what did the broken crayons look like in your life? Well, Shelley, it's interesting because when I think of my early childhood and even into my tween years, I think of them as a perfect box of crayons, you know, filled with oh, wow. all, the, you know, all the colors of the rainbow. I had a happy family life. We went to church every Sunday. I loved school. I enjoyed sports. And life was just wonderful. I also decided to be a teacher and I graduated and went into the local university. But it was right around when I was about 18 My parents divorced after 25 years of marriage. Wow. And what I had seen as my foundation just fell apart. And Mm. so when I think of broken crayons, it was like somebody took that pack of crayons and smashed them on the floor. Oh, wow. And at the time, my sisters were traveling overseas. and, And to be honest, I can't remember how long they were gone. But I know that in those initial months of the separation between my parents It was really up to me to kind of run the household. I was going to school at night, still hold down a job, and then try and visit my mother in the apartment where she was staying. Hmm. And I just kind of went into doing what I needed to do, but I now in retrospect know that I didn't really stop enough for self-care. And as a result, my life continued to just spiral. I had left the church. Um, I think in retrospect, I felt that God had let me down. And at the time, it was the beginnings of a depression, but I didn't realize that. And I found every other way to try and sort of assuage my fears and and feel better about myself, which, of course, involved a lot of wild living and, um, you know, drinking, smoking, sleeping around, you name it, I did it. I did everything possible to try and sort of um, heal the wound and to hide my problems and interestingly enough during those years I was also very doing very well at my job so whatever I was doing outside of work I hid it oh, most wow. times very well so, so I had this kind of dichotomy of lifestyle going on yeah so you were like living a double life in some ways <laughs> I really was you know people at work said no idea and um, but at the time of course I'd moved away from church and I had sort of lost my rudder and I think it's a 
a great example of what happens when you start spiraling and you don't ask for help. So in a way, holding it all together and using my career as an outlet and a new form of identity was just one more mistake that I made. Wow. Yeah. And I think so many people can relate to different pieces of your story. I know I felt a similar way when my parents divorced as, you know, I was older, I was an adult, but I, I mean, so much of what you've already said, I know so many people could relate to, but as you were walking through this time period, what would you say was your lowest point? Well, Shady, I think that, you know, all of this happened in my early 20s, and I think I must have been about 22 or 23 at most. I had moved away from my home city to another city thinking that I would try and start over somewhere else, and that didn't work. Um, and it was when I was living there that I had my first suicide attempt, and, mm. and that's a long time ago, so I can't actually remember what drove me over the edge the first time. But after I had swallowed a whole bottle of tablets, which I believe is the most common suicide attempt in women, yeah. um, I, I freaked out and called a friend who rushed me to the hospital, and of course I went through everything there, and they put me into mandated psychotherapy for a while and I had to agree to that before they would discharge me and you know two days later I went back at work back to work nobody at work knew what had happened uh, I saw a therapist for a while but I was able to fool him too I, I don't think the poor guy could ever really get any breakthrough with me oh no this, you know I just slipped into my my strong self and just convinced him I was fine and it was oh, a lack wow. of judgment and I have it all together um, but in fact, it wasn't. So my low point came a little later. A few years later, I moved back home, by which time my, both my parents had uh, remarried. And by then, I was about 26. And I moved back in with my father and my stepmother. And um, I had I had a day where I had had a lousy performance review. And as I said, my job was my identity, mistake number two. And because of that lousy performance review, I was just absolutely devastated. And that evening, I went out to drinks with a married man who had, I'd been having an affair with. He was an ex-boss. And I'm almost embarrassed to admit all of this, but keep in mind that I was in a very dark period of my life. Yeah. But I went to meet him, and, and he was delayed for some reason. And in those days, we didn't have cell phones. So he was a no-show. And I left the hotel bar just destroyed. And I remember driving home thinking, my job is awful. Nobody wants to love me. Nobody cares. And I went home and, again, took several bottles of tablets because by then they had me on the trusty antidepressants, which tend to, you know, they think it's going to fix everything. So I took all these pills, but this time I didn't make a call for help. Wow. Uh, I left a note, climbed into bed, and... I woke up much later, and I'm, I, I don't know if it was one or two days or even three. Nobody's told me. Wow. But I was in hospital, and I had almost succeeded that time. And my stepmother had found me when I didn't get up for work in the morning, and she had raised me to the hospital. But that, I would say, was my darkest point. Oh, um, you know, just... I can't believe it when I put myself back in that place, but in a way I can because I think when you're in a dark hole and you have an absolute hopelessness about you, you can't think any other way. Right. You just think, well, there is no way out. So when people, when I hear stories today about people who either succeeded in committing suicide or attempted, and I listen to people's reactions to them, 
my heart goes out to them because I always say, you know, you have to have walked that journey True. to fully understand that depth of depression and to get your arms around just what a debilitating disease depression is. Yeah, and there's so many misconceptions and there's so much judgment, I think, around this whole topic. So I'm really glad that you said that because I just want people to feel free you know, freed from that judgment, <laughs> that we all yes. have a different journey, we all have a different path. And, mm -hmm. you know, things ended up turning out differently for you. And obviously, God was not finished with you. <laughs> you know, I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, you were close. I mean, that is, that is just amazing that that you, you know, you survived that. So what would you say was would have been the turning point? Well, you know, Shelley, it's interesting you say that because, yeah, I think sometimes to those dark years and um, I was now I'm aware of just how he sent his angels to protect me because yes. heavens, the situations I got myself into. But the, let me get to the question. The turning point for me was when I woke up in that hospital bed and I saw the look of pain mm. on my family's faces, I realized that there had to be a better way to live. And, you know, recently I heard a story on from Les Brown on one of his tapes. He was talking about a man who had also failed at a suicide attempt. But he's, that man had said that God said to him, it wasn't your life to take. And mm. when, I, when I listened to that, I wept. I still weep when I read that because I finally realized the same thing, that God was not done with me. Yeah. And that there had to be a better way. And it was almost like he sort of grabbed hold of my heart. Hmm. And I went home determined this time to get my life on track. That was the turning point. Hmm. I also was very blessed to have a wonderful psychotherapist who wasn't a Christian, but she was just very able. I was also welcomed back at work with forgiveness and oh, grace. Good. There was no judgment. Um my family agreed to go to various meetings with the therapist. We could get to the bottom of the root of my depression. Yes. She started treating me for the depression and I was open. So it worked. I started to put my life back together. And then funny enough, um, and I laugh now at the time I didn't laugh, but it was like nine or 12 months later that I ended up falling pregnant. Oh, and wow. I hadn't sorted that part of my life out yet, apparently. Um, but I went dating again, and I was still off of all medications post uh, the episode I had gone through. So, um, And to this day, I'm always afraid of medications. But anyway, I, I fell pregnant, which was not the greatest at the time. But now I think my daughter's about to turn 31, and she's wow. extremely happy. And um, But here's what happened for me from a Christian perspective. Um, I went to church the Sunday night after I had discovered I was pregnant. And, of course, I was really in a bad way. And um, the pastor of this church was the same pastor who had married both my sisters and my mother in her second marriage. And he just gave me the biggest bear hug ever when Aww. he saw me at the back of the church. And he, he, and he was this Irishman. And he just said to me, you know, hello, mom. He said, you and I got some things to talk about later. And I met with him later in his study after worship. And, of course, I was a mess. I couldn't stop crying. And he said to me, he said, you are experiencing the grace and compassion of Jesus right now. Wow. He said, a year ago, you tried to take your own life, and God has given you one in return. Hmm. Um, that was when I came face to face with wow. grace, and I discovered the power of forgiveness. And 
from that day to this, Shelley, I've never taken another antidepressant. Wow. Um, I found my purpose in life. And, you know, I've realized and I help teach others now because I've discovered my purpose, that God has redeemed this in me. And my role is to help equip others to live a life they were destined to live and to claim who they are. And one of the key lessons I teach in my coaching is how your true identity is not your job, your your relationships or anything external. Your true identity goes down to your intrinsic value of who does God see in you. Mm. Uh, and you, so, you've learned that the hard way, the, the, the deep way, the walk, yes. walking through the dark times. And you have learned things through experience. And yes. So if you could give one piece of advice or encouragement, I know you are an amazing coach. You have a ton of advice and encouragement you could give, but <laughs> if you could just pick one, what would it be? You know, Shelly, I would have to say besides that, you know, do not link your identity to anything outside of your yes. intrinsic God value. That's critical. But the other point is even if you're in your darkest moment, no matter where you are, if you are experiencing depression, Make sure you ask for help. There is no shame in admitting that you've had these thoughts, that you're in a dark hole, that you feel hopeless. Depression, as I said earlier, is a debilitating disease. But we have a God who is able and a God who loves us more than we mm. could ever imagine. Amen. So if you suffer from depression, you can't possibly fight it on your own. You need the professional help, but you also need to have the support um, of a community around you, but most of all, combine it with a life of faith um, and really letting God minister to you and not feeling that you have to hide it from him. Just trust him with that. Yes, I love that. And I love that encouragement. Do you have a scripture that has meant a lot to you throughout these these years and that you would like to share with us? Oh, so many, so many. Um you know, I think that, you know, the one that, that really comes to mind, and forgive me, I, I'm not sure what chapter and verse it is, but it's in Isaiah, it's possibly Isaiah 55, where he said, you know, I'm, I'm bringing forth a new thing, do you yes. not perceive it? Mm. Um, that out of the ashes, he will make something good. And mm. he had a purpose for me all along. Who who knew that I'd end up being a coach and a trainer in the U.S., right. miles away from my home? Everything he's done in my life, he has now redeemed to my purpose. So wow, I love that. And, you know, if, if listeners want to contact you, how can they reach you? Um, well, I have a website and it's actually at Rethink You. That's R-E-T-H-I-N-K, Rethink, Y-O-U dot com. And Rethink You is my brand for individual work, mainly because coming from my own lesson that wherever you go, there you are. So if you're not happy with your life, you need to rethink you because you are the common denominator. So my email is on the website and people are free to contact me there. I love that. And, you know, as we've been listening to your story and as we've been just inspired with what God has done in your life, it truly reminds me that God can turn our messes into masterpieces. Absolutely, Shelley. Everything he's done, as I said, he's redeemed in my life. And what I am now is a masterpiece, and that's what he sees in me. Amen. Well, Amen. thank you so much for sharing your story today. 
And thank all of you that are listening. I just, I, I pray that you're be, being encouraged, inspired, and that you are being filled with hope. Hope that there is something different on the other side. And if you or someone you know has a powerful story to share, I would love to have you on the show. You can apply to be featured on this podcast at shellyhits.com forward slash story. So thanks again for being here with us today. Thank you, Kim. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Broken Crayons Still Color Podcast. We have a gift for you. Download Shelly's hand-drawn adult coloring pages, as well as printable scripture cards, and all the transcripts from this podcast at www.brokencrayonsbook.com. If today's story inspired you, please share it with a friend and leave us a comment on iTunes. We love hearing from you, and your encouragement means the world to us. In closing, God is the artist, and our lives are his canvas. What will you allow him to create from the broken pieces in your life? When you are in Christ, you are his masterpiece. I am a masterpiece. I am a masterpiece.